You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, I was only a little toddler, only just uh, that high. And I remember Dad uh, kneeling down and getting eye to eye as you do with kids, good parenting technique. And he said, Sam, what do you think heaven is like? And I said, "Uh, heaven is like being able to go to the fridge and pour your own juice. And just as God was with the boy prophet Samuel in the Old Testament, I think he was with that young Samuel, because it's only until recently in going through this passage that I understood the profundity of what I was saying back then. What I was saying is that heaven is freedom. Heaven is freedom. And that's, uh, that's what the gospel call is, whereas many people might think that, uh, that religion is a call to morality, that religion is a call to conformity. We see that the gospel is a call to pour your own juice. It's a call to freedom. It's a call to freedom, and that's what we see in the passage tonight. What have we covered thus far as we've been walking through the book of Galatians? We've covered the week one that uh, covered them tell Christianity, that a different gospel is no gospel at all. I know you want more, and that's the challenge with us, is we always want to add more to the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, we've also seen that the gospel is a spirograph, that it's a guide for our life that draws out the most wonderful and intricate patterns, patterns that we couldn't possibly draw ourselves. And then last week we saw that the gospel is uh, Christianity, not Christianity. Uh, that the gospel is not adhering to a set of religious beliefs, but uh, the gospel is more than that. It's an experience. And tonight we see that the gospel is freedom. What's this passage teaching? It teaches the gospel is a call to freedom, that the co- concept of Christian, this is the thing, the concept of Christian freedom can be confusing on one hand because, uh, you know, Paul said throughout the letter of Galatians that we're free from the supervision of the law, chapter 3, verse 25, but then we are no longer under the law in verse 18 of this chapter. And what does that mean? Are we, are we free to just totally disregard God's, God's law, his way for life? If not, what does Christian freedom consist of? That's what we're going to look at tonight in the book of Galatians, chapter 5. You can open your Bibles with us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that it is his obligation to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Oh, come on, you're running a good race. Who cut in on you? And you kept from obeying the truth. That kind of persuasion doesn't come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works its way through the whole batch of dough, and I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, look, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free. 
But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. The gospel is a call to freedom. Now, there are lots of ways that we can think about freedom, freedom freedom of speech, freedom of rights. We can think of Mel Gibson in that movie, Braveheart. Freedom! There are lots of ways we can think about the freedom. freedom. How, How does the world see freedom? The world, look, the world sees freedom like the rolling stones see freedom. Because I'm free to do what I want any old time. And all sorts of chinky 80s remakes of it as well. Look it up on YouTube. But that's the world's freedom, isn't it? The world's freedom says I'm only free if I am free to do whatever I want. Wouldn't you agree? (laughs) The fewer restrictions I have, the fewer restraints I have, the freer I am. But here's the funny thing. Freedom's more complicated than that. The gospel says you're free. Verse 1 says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Now, does that mean we can do whatever we want? <laughs> does it mean we can go crazy? Uh, what, what does it mean? In light of all this, what is the freedom of the gospel? How does it differ? It's like the little boy that, that said to his mum, I want to get a pet. I want to have a cat or a dog. And the mum didn't want all the stuff around the house, so he got him a fish. And so uh, he was off, he was really quiet, and she said, uh, oh, how's your little pet fish going? And he said, oh, look, he's all right. He played for a little while on the rug and then he just seemed to stop flapping anymore. (laughs) You see, as John Stott puts it, freedom is not the absence of restrictions. (laughs) Fish is free to jump out of the tank. But there's a context, there's an environment that you were built for, made for, and unless you're moving into that place, then you've got a false freedom, you've got a pseudo-freedom, you're just flapping around on the rug. You see, freedom is not the absence of restrictions. And here's the paradox. The principle of it all is that the, 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 the liberty of restrictions that we see in this paradox that is the gospel, the liberty of that is that, that we're restricted now in order to reach a deeper freedom. I said this before. If I want to play the piano like Michael Thomas, I want to smash out a bit of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. I'm sure the fingers are not going to do the work as elegantly and as beautifully as his does. That's because I've also got chunky fingers, but that's a whole other story. Uh, the, the whole point is that, that you, uh, you subject yourself into a, you restrict yourself into the discipline of playing and of scales. Here's a principle in order to reach a deeper freedom, in order to reach a freedom that you don't have to think about hitting the notes, you don't have to think about the music that's coming up at you. Uh, you just, you transcend all that is happening. You swept up in the music. You know what I'm saying? So freedom is not the absence of restrictions, but is it all about restriction? Is it all about discipline then? I mean, come on, like if if someone said to me, hey, you'd be a really good NBA basketball player at my whopping five foot ten or whatever it might be, I come on, let's be real here. I could practice all I want. I could dribble all I want, but but there's a context that I'm made for. That's not basketball. You see, it's not just restrictions, it's it's, it's knowing where you fit. Freedom is not the absence of restrictions nor the presence of restrictions, but the presence of the right restrictions. The ones that fit your nature, the ones that fit who you are, the ones that fit with the truth of who you are in God. They're, they're, look, fr- look, freedom's not a muso trying to be a basketballer and freedom is not a basketballer trying to be a muso. 
True freedom is the freedom to be ourselves, who God has designed us to be. The freedom that is the gospel is to wholly want the environment that you're made for. Are you a fish out of water tonight? <laughs> Are you flapping around on the rug? You see, the environment, your, your water, your, 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 your tank as such, the environment you were built for is the love of God. And you know, the irony is that love is, love is the perfect example of the complexity of that freedom. Love shows us that freedom isn't the absence of restrictions. I remember when I was uh, here one night and I got caught up in everything and I was back late and I get in the car and I I see uh, 15 missed phone calls. And then I get home to poor Chris. I've checked it's okay to share share with her tonight. Get home, the poor poor thing's in tears. There's mascara running down the face. She's like, how come you didn't call me? I thought you were dead. (laughs) Yeah, chump, you know, amateur hour as far as... You see, it was was the first... (laughs) It was the first time I realised, right, boys, I'll just give you a few tips, that, that, that love is not the absence of restrictions. You see, what, 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 we, what we see in all that, the closer the relationship of love, the less independent you can be. Now, of course, George Michael seems to disagree. What does he say? He says, all we have to do now is take these lies and make them true somehow. And all we have to see is that I don't belong to you and that you don't belong to me. Yeah, yeah, freedom. You know, (laughs) I won't let you down. All right. George, check your lyrics, mate. I don't belong to you and you don't belong to me. The closer the relationship of love, the less independent you can be. That's the nature of our relationship with God. Gospel freedom is not the absence of restrictions, but the presence of the right ones. And the world thinks freedom is how the Rolling Stones put it. I'm free to do whatever I want any old time. That's not freedom. You're flapping around on the rug. And maybe, look, maybe this fear of the free I am, maybe that's part of the reason why people, I'm sure it is part of the reason why people hesitate to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why people hesitate to step into Christianity because they say, I'm going to lose my freedom. But they don't understand the complexity of that freedom. They don't understand the depth, the deeper freedom that's beyond the restrictions. The deeper freedom allows you to just to get lost in the music that is God's love. What they don't see is the Bible is all full of sorts of freedom language. You remember Jesus and he goes into the temple and he's there and he pulls out the Isaiah scrolls and he says, I've come to preach the good news to the poor and to do what? To set the captives free. Nice work. You guys get an A. The Bible's all about freedom. Jesus is all about freedom. So the question is, how does gospel freedom work? And see, the whole thesis of what Paul is saying, for the, the, the thesis for the whole of the book of Galatians in, is in chapter one of the, uh, verse 1 of this chapter. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. What's, he, what's chapter 5? What's, what's he saying? What's he getting at? He's saying that it, it's a trapeze freedom. Anyone here ever had the wonderful joy of learning how to do trapeze? Yeah, you haven't. I'm going to have to explain it to you because I did. We got we got one down here. Thanks, Rachel. It's really good. I uh, I was in I was in Bintan, Indonesia, and and trapeze. Look, do you know what trapeze is? You know, it's the funny thing you see at the circus. People swing off the bar, and I was I was over there with Mike McQueen, and uh, and we were swinging from either ends with this particular uh, trapeze type thing, and we were at, uh, 15, 20, 30 meters above the ground, and and I'm holding on to dear life on this bar as I look down, and then the instructor said that we had to hook our legs over the bar. 
And then Mike and I were sort of doing this, you know, how they're swinging backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And so here I was holding onto this bar for, for dear life. And then I could see Michael and just right at the right time, I heard the instructor say, go. And it was there that I set the legs free and burst out from this. And for a brief moment, I felt like Superman or, or, a, or a gliding possum. And I was, I was sort of through the air like this and... And, and then, of course, bang, I, I felt the strong grip of Mike's hands on the other side and we'd, we'd made it. And uh, what, am, what am I saying here? Look, Christian freedom is like this. There's not only a freedom from, but there's a freedom for. You can't just be freed from something because you've got to be freed to something, for something. So there's a freedom from. What does Paul say in verse 1? He's saying we're free from the obligation to obey the law of God. That's the first thing that Jesus Christ has done for us. That's what we've been looking at in the book of Galatians. And then in verse 2 to 4, he gives us a warning. He says you can lose that freedom. If you want to go back to your legalistic nature, if you want to go back to what these Judaizers were saying, if you want to go back to a little bit of Christ plus type work, then you're in danger of losing that incredible freedom. You're free from the law. And he's saying that the warning is if you go back into that, if you just want to do one little bit of the law, then the way it works is you've got to fulfill the whole law. And everyone knows in their deep heart of hearts, we can't, we can't do that. That's why we needed Jesus in the first place. That's what we've been talking about. And so it says, you know, only Christ has fulfilled the requirements of the law. And so you receive his marks by faith. And so it's saying by faith in Jesus, you've been freed from the obligation to obey. <laughs> That's great news tonight. It's not about moral performance. It's not about living up to, to a particular standard because Christ's done it for you. He's lived the life that you need to live. It's done. Done it. Here's the other thing, freedom from that leads us into an even deeper one. It frees you from the reasons why you were obeying in the first place. You see, up until that point when you're under the law, Paul is saying that the reason that we only ever obey is in order to get ourselves right with God. The law was only ever a means to an end. The law was only a means for us to patch up our rightness with God. And so given that Jesus has done it for us, if we realise that we've been freed from this obligation... And if it all counts for nothing, then why would I continue to perform? <laughs> the, the whole reason changes. In order to be right with God, before the reason was I was obeying because I have to, now it counts for nothing, then I'm also free from the reasons for my good works and my good performance. So I'm free from the obligation to obey, I'm free from the motivation to obey as the means to be right with God. Look, and what that means deeper for us is we've got a freedom from fear. <laughs> We've got a freedom from that point, whether we think about it or not, or whether it's going to be the moment before we think that we're going to meet God face to face. We're free from the fear that is God going to accept me. We're free from that fear. Am I, am I going to be right with God? Instead, as verse 5 says, we eagerly await through the Spirit for the righteousness for which we hope. What it means is, what it means practically, let, let me get it here. What it means practically is that you know, come tomorrow, the worst thing in the world that can happen to you, <laughs> get hit by a car, is the best thing that could happen to you if you have faith in Jesus. The worst thing that could happen to you is the best thing that could happen to you. You're free from the, the means, uh, you're free from the, the obligation to, to obey the law of God. And what that means is that Christian freedom from means you no longer obey God because you have to. We don't obey because we have to. Now, what does this mean? Do we keep on sinning? 
Remember Paul in Romans 5, 6? He's talking about the gospel and he's having a rhetorical argument with himself. It seems like Paul liked to talk to himself quite a lot. Interesting. Maybe it's all that time in a prison by himself. I'm not too sure. But he puts up this argument. If we hear the gospel of grace, which that is right there, what should we do? You know, we hear that we've got no obligation to, to obey the law. When we hear that, that's the question we're all asking. What should we do then? Keep on sinning? And Paul says, come on. No, you, you, you don't know who you are. And here's where it gets confusing. Because he's saying you're freed from obeying the law, but because of what Jesus has done, because of the way that it's come about, because of the grace that God's given to you, now you have even more of a reason to obey it. (laughs) You're free from it because of the love that God has shown us in Jesus. You've got even more of a reason to obey it. So it's saying by his work and not ours, by Jesus' past and not ours, by Jesus' rightness and not ours, then we've got even more reasons to obey that We're free from the law, but we've got more of a reason to obey it. So the question is, which way is it, Paul? <laughs> which, how, how, do we, how do we look at this? So Christian freedom from, but we also, the Christian freedom, the gospel freedom is for. Now here's the interesting thing. If you're not, if, as what we are saying before, if, if you're not free from out underneath the law, then you've only ever been obeying God's way of life, his law here in the Bible, um, for your own sake. You've only ever been doing it for your own sake. That is, you've been resting on your own moral achievements in order to be right with God. Like a practical example, you know, you go, people that haven't come into the grace and the power of the gospel, people are doing the religious thing when they're going and giving to the needy or they're serving the needy. They're doing all this stuff and they're out there and they're serving and they're with the poor and really deep down in the very heart of heart of it, they're saying, look God, look at all this good stuff that I'm doing. Am I, am I right with you? Am I right with you? Am I right with you? You see, they're they're, they're doing it for their own sake. It's leverage goodness. God, look at all this stuff I'm doing. You've got to bless me. You've got to let me in. Look, can't you see what's happening here? It's like what Martin Luther says, that without an experience of God's grace, all good deeds are essentially (laughs) self-interested. Because in other words, until you've come out from underneath the law, you've never been living for anything except for yourself. (laughs) You've You've just been trying to get right with God out of your own individual Journey, but gospel freedom changes your motivation. It changes your reason for obeying. Look, why do you why do you pray? <laughs> why do you why do you read the Bible? Why do you turn up to church? Why do you do anything that's got to do with the Christian life? And that that that's that's the reasons. That's the two different reasons that Paul says is as different as two totally different religions. They're two different reasons that create two totally different types of people. <laughs> They're the reasons of our mind doing it because I have to or because I want to. So how else can I put it? Look, why do we obey God? Is it why you obey God? Is it because you have to you know, live up uh, to these expectations? He changes your reason for, do, for doing everything. Is why you obey God because you have to or you want to. Look, if we're constantly preaching the gospel to ourselves, we're doing what Martin Luther told us. Remember the other week? We're preaching it to our hearts and we're constantly beating it into our heads. <laughs> if, we're, if we're taking that gospel that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, if we're taking the gospel that your sins can never separate you from God, if you take the gospel that your, your acceptance with God is totally complete, based on Christ's past and not yours, based on his performance and not yours, that you're totally accepted, you're totally completely accepted, you don't do it because you have to. It's the Billy Piper principle. Because we want to. Because we want to. 
We obey because we want to. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 to 14 says, The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. What's it saying there? It's saying that gospel freedom frees us to live any way we want. It frees us to live any way we want, but the gospel teaches us to say no. Take lying, for example. If you go and lie, the real question is not why did I lie, but the question is why did I want to lie? And when we hold the gospel up to our lives, we've talked this through before, at that point in time we say if we're, we're lying to get approval from someone, then we're saying that at that point in time the approval of that other person is more important to us than the approval of Jesus Christ. And so when we use the gospel on our hearts and, 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 and in that moment we say, oh, look, I, I'm accepted by the only person, I'm approved by the only person that ever counts, then the gospel frees us to say, I don't need this thing, I don't need this approval and so I can tell the truth. I don't know, how do I, look, the, the gospel is like uh, that, that ad that you see on the TV with a funny um, guy who's trying to give up smoking and, uh, and he has a whole sort of cheering squad that's behind him that says, no, Gary, no. Have you seen that one, the Nicorette ads? And, he, and, and Gary's tempted by taking a particular cigarette and just as he's about to read the cigarette, the, the team comes in, no, Gary, no, no, Gary. And, and, and he has this whole cheer squad that seems to turn up just at the right time. Look, what I'm trying to say is that the gospel is your cheer squad. The gospel comes into your life, Titus chapter 2, verse 10. The, God, the grace of God teaches us to say, no, Gary, no. <laughs> At each, when, you, when you want to lie, when you, you, you're failing in your sense of acceptance with God, the gospel teaches you to say, no. The God, look, the gospel is a nicorette patch to sin. That's what it is. <laughs> and we must be wearing that thing around on our arms each and every day and be reminded in those moments, the gospel teaches us to say, no, that's, it frees us to live any way we want, but at that moment of temptation, that point where we want to do that, No. And so if you're realigned to freedom, you hold the gospel up to your lives each day. You put the patch on. And so when you're faced with the choice to live however I want to live, that is the freedom that we hear in the gospel tonight. When you're faced with that choice, here's the irony. The result is now that you don't ask yourself, what can I do? What's, what, how can I go crazy? But you say, how can I live for him? You've been freed from and you've been freed for. And look, when you've removed any ability for, for you to affect the means of your rightness with God, your acceptance with God, when you wake up and realise like the band, the Blessed Union of Souls said, he don't care about my car, he don't care about my money, and that's real, real good because I don't got a lot to spend, but it would mean nothing. He likes me for me. Not because I look like Tyson Beckford or with the charm of Robert Redford oozing out my ears, but what he sees are my faults and indecisions, my insecure conditions, and the tears upon the pillow that I shed. He likes me for me. When you come to realise that he likes you for you, that he sent his son for you, it now gives you a reason not to obey out of obligation, but out of sheer gratitude. Why wouldn't you? And so then Christian freedom for means we still obey the law, not because we still obey the law. That's the whole point. We've been freed from the law to the law. I'm thinking, we've just done, we've gone full circle here. But the reason is radically different, not because we have to, but because we want to. And only in the gospel do you obey God for God's sake and not your own sake. 
And therefore, only in the gospel do you love people for their sake and not your own sake. Only in the gospel do you do good for goodness sake. Only in the gospel do you obey God for God's sake. Only the gospel makes the thing, the, the, to do the right thing a joy and a blessing and a lifted burden. And so if you put verse 1 of this chapter together, if you put verse 13 and 15 of this chapter together, I won't read them. You're going to go back home, do some homework. Here's what you'll see. You'll see that gospel freedom frees us from the law for the law. <laughs> and that Christian freedom is not the absence of restrictions, but it takes away your old motivation for obeying in the first place and injects a whole new one into your heart. And you continue to live life his way. What does it mean? Application as you finish up tonight. What's, what's Paul been saying altogether? What's he been saying in this verse 1 and verse 13? Verse 1 that you've been set free. Verse 13 that says do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful desires. What does it mean? He's saying don't lose your freedom. Verse 1. But don't abuse your freedom. Verse 13. Now, how do we make sure that happens? Verses 5 and 6, by focusing on the only thing that counts. Verse 5 and 6, by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And what does circumcision and uncircumcision here mean? Because he says it has no value at all. It says it doesn't mean to be profitable. It means it puts no credits in the bank for you. What does it mean? Circumcision is really get alluding at moral achievement. It means rightness based on your performance. Uncircumcision, he means like total license, going crazy. The questions we've been asking, simply it means religion. It means irreligion. He says they both have absolutely no value at all. Because what he's saying is that neither religion or irreligion can possibly impact your relationship with God. But what he also says is neither religion or irreligion will ever have any impact or dent on changing your heart and your inner character. And so moral, achie- moral achievement does nothing because here's what I mean. A gospelized person, a person who's got what we're saying tonight, a person that's living in freedom, when you walk out the door tomorrow and you do something good tomorrow, you do something really good. Wow, that was good. You get a hold of yourself and you go, that means nothing. And you say, God doesn't love me because I did this good thing. You say, I did this good thing because God loves me. It means nothing. And un- uncircumcision, it's great. It's for the person who goes out tomorrow. If you go out tomorrow, you're not like the person who's done a good thing. And you totally blow it and you stuff it and you muck up and you, you, you have an epic fail, as the teenagers say these days. You have a massive fail. The Christian says, if, look, even if I did the right thing instead of the wrong thing, even if I did the moral thing instead of the immoral thing, it would have had no impact by faith on the relationship that I have with God. <laughs> Is that good news or what? <laughs> because I'm, I'm judged on Christ's work, not on my work. On Christ's life, not on my life. On Christ's past, not on my past. It all amounts to nothing. And this silly little good thing that I did, the good thing, the really, really good thing, it means nothing. And the really, really bad thing, it means nothing. It all means nothing. And because God never loves you because you did good and he never disloves you because you did bad. (laughs) He loves you for you. He loves you for you. So see what this represents when we're expressing faith through love and the ups and downs of our life, all the good things that we really do and the bad things that neither puffs us up or it never tears us down. 
because the person can't, is in, in Christ can't get proud of their performance because that has no value. And the person who's in Christ can't beat himself up about their failures because it's got nothing to do with how much God loves you to, this evening, tonight, today, tomorrow. Gospel faith provides a certainty that we're holy and that we're beautiful in God's sight. And when we come to a realisation of that, the more we dwell on this, the less we're subjected to our ups and downs and the more our hearts are melted with love. Well, melted with love. What do you mean? You're getting all soppy on a Sam tonight. Ah. Look, the, well, I, what I'm getting at is the, the cross flies in, George, in the face of George Michael's theology. That's what I'm saying tonight. George Michael's freedom is that I don't belong to you and you don't belong to me. Freedom. Yeah, yeah. Okay? <laughs> The cross flies in the face of that. No, it's not I don't belong to you and you don't belong to me. First, First Corinthians 2, 3 says you, you were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. Look how he talks. Same sort of language of what he's saying tonight. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord. So he's saying if you were a slave physically, guess what? You're a free person. You're a free person in God, even if you're still a slave in this world. And similarly, the, the person that's free in this world, guess what? You're a slave to Christ. Real freedom is that he belongs to you and you belong to him. (laughs) Flies in the face of what George Michael's saying. How did that come to be? (laughs) Restrictions. The ultimate restriction. You see, it's one one thing to to have freedom and, you know, because I'm free to do whatever I want any old time. And you know what? Jesus Christ had that sort of freedom. Jesus Christ had the sort of freedom that the Rolling Stones was singing about. Jesus Christ had the freedom with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and perfect glory way before the world ever began. And as the Bible tells us, he, ch- he chose to restrict himself. Though he didn't consider equality with God something to be crassed, he humbled, humbled himself, he emptied himself, and he became a man. He veiled his divinity in the form of his humanity. He restricted himself. And there could be no greater restriction than when his hands were stretched from side to side with two nails before us. That's restriction if I've ever seen it before. But freedom, the deeper freedom, the freedom that you were built for, the freedom that you, you, you cry out, the freedom you hear in songs, the freedom that you are yearning for, that freedom is a deeper freedom. It's the sort of freedom that Jesus blasted out at the cross. Freedom is not the absence of restrictions. That's the example and the model of Jesus Christ. The freedom that you are yearning for is not the absence of, of restrictions, but it's the surrender in love. And it's one thing for a big God to be standing up there saying, yeah, look, you should do all this sort of stuff for me. You should restrict your freedom for me. But what we see in Jesus Christ is that God restricted his freedom first in order to show you that there was something more wonderful. There was something more beautiful. There was something more precious. There was something more liberating at the cross. So what we say tonight is the two ways to live are not religion or irreligion. They mean nothing at all. But the question is, are you going to be a slave full of fear? A slave full of fear. It sounds like the language we were using last week when we were talking through. Funny, because it's all the one letter. Similar themes. Or are you going to be a son full of faith, expressing itself through love? What does that look like for you tonight? Because Paul's teaching is simple here tonight. Don't lose your freedom. (laughs) Don't go into legalism, but don't abuse your freedom. Don't go into license. Don't go crazy. You've got a whole new reason to obey the law. Instead, remember... That Christ died, Christ restricted his freedom on the cross. Why? Simple terms. So you could pour your own juice. So you could pour your own juice tonight. 
The gospel is a call to freedom. It's not the absence of restrictions, but it's freedom from. It's freedom for. Do you understand the freedom from tonight? The freedom for is a person of Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer, if you are yearning, if deep down you haven't experienced that yet, can I encourage you? To surrender in love to him, to ask Jesus Christ into your life. And friends and family, Christians. <laughs> We're not free to do whatever we want any old time. We come to understand that gospel freedom is far more complex than that tonight. It's freedom from, it's freedom for. May we meditate on that. May it be revealed to us. May we experience that through the power of his Holy Spirit tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the model that we see in Jesus. That you sent your one and only son out of love, that you love us for us, that you love me for me, Father God, tonight. I pray for those that are are struggling with feelings of uh, unworthiness, feelings of uh, rejection, feelings of loneliness. Father God, I pray tonight that they uh, might discover, they might hold the gospel up to, uh, to their lives tonight, Father God, and that the gospel says no to that. The gospel says you're loved, that you're worthy, that you're accepted. Uh, the gospel says that you're right here with us. So, Father, for each and every one of us tonight as we move into this week, we've been processing nosebleed theology in some ways through this week, uh, through this book of Galatians. But, Father, we uh, pray this week that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you might give us fresh understanding of the freedom uh, that we have in Jesus Christ. But more importantly, as we go out into the world, as we go out into a world that somehow thinks that the, the religion is this call to restrictions and this call to morality, may we go and preach the good news that the faith that we have in Jesus Christ is not restriction, but it's freedom. We're free to do whatever we want, but we choose not to do whatever we want because of the love that we have for you, Father. And so tonight, for that freedom, we give you thanks. And we pray this in his mighty and his precious name. Amen.